what's going on ladies and gentlemen this is muscle and this is another two line music cuts entertainment report podcast and today we have a really special guest listen this man has been giving you hits from in the 90s up until right now he just released his new song called happy on valentine's day he's giving you hits like all my life can't get over you always on my mind missing you right now yesterday this time i promise and so much more you know we have in the building today we have mr deville in the building today what's going on big boss salute Thank you so much for joining us here on the Entertainment Report podcast today. It's a pleasure to be here, you know what I mean? Definitely. Well, on this program, we like to go right from the beginning and then bring it up right until today. So my first question for you is this. Where did you grow up in Jamaica and what type of child were you? <laughs> well, first of all, I, 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 I was a good child. You know, I, mean, I don't think I did anything um, outrageous like any other kids growing up in the growing up in the ghetto. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, when I was born in a place called um, Tiger Valley, which is next door to Yesolasi High School, okay. Kingston Eleven. You know, what I mean, in that area, you have places like I mean, I was on my right, you have Pian Pianland. Mm-hmm. In front of me, you have building. Then on the left, you have Mackay Lane. You know, what I mean, and then up front, you have Chisholm Avenue and Place and Walton Park where they hit me. So I was right in the midst of all of that, but luckily, you know, I never, I never spent my entire childhood there because my father, you know, being the kind of man that he is, he is very ambitious. He eventually, buy a house uptown, mm-hmm. and then I moved uptown at about age, probably about eleven, I think. Move uptown, and then I grew up the rest of my years uptown, Kingston, Kingston nineteen era, them place. You get me? Yeah. Okay. So a lot of people, if they don't know, your father is Jack Thomas, and he's yeah. the owner of the Midnight Rock label there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. From my day gone, they must have a monkey down. I'm a Jack Thomas, I've been dancer, road show them. You know, it was responsible for sounds like that, you know what I mean? So you, you grew up in the house hearing music from as long as you could remember then? Yeah, man. I mean, music was always a part of my household, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, as a kid growing up, um. My father used to bring home his tracks from studio, freshly recorded. You know what I mean? And I would hear them before me with a cup and cup and um cup and wax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the same time, you have influential iconic artists like Early B, Rankin Tai, and you know what I mean, Tristan Palmer, um, Barrington Levy, um, Anthony Johnson, Look at John and them people used to come around. Even John Jalas, you know what I mean, from Volcano. You see me? So I was in the midst of all of that. So, of, of, of course, you know, I'm a father himself as an artist and a producer himself. So I was bitten by the bug from very early, musically speaking. You get me? And did you really understand what was going on from early or it took you later on when you started to grow up to really understand, say, okay, these are influential musical people that I'm seeing that's around me all the time? Well, honestly, at the time, it was just fun for me. I never really thought about whether, it, I mean, the relevancy of, who they were really. It's just that the fact that I felt a certain vibe and a certain energy when them come around and to see the way they interact and the way they move and the way they act, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I was just very impressed, you know, by that. You get me? And it left an impression on me. You get me? Especially for the fact that I've, I've always wanted to, I saw my father as a, a person I wanted to emulate and be like at the time growing up, you know? 
So, you know, FEM style was just my style, and FEM movement was just my movement. You get the mindset? Mm-hmm. And it's environment, but I just enjoy being into, in it at the time. I mean, eventually when I grew up and got to a certain age, you know, and start have a full, a full understanding of what it was about, I realized that these men were really making a mark, you know, from an iconic, iconic point of view, musically speaking, you get me? Mm-hmm. And did you, so growing up now, yeah, you've seen your father, he's in music and stuff, but was that initially the first thing you really wanted to get into or was something else that you thought you would have got into while you were growing up? Yeah, well, honestly, <laughs> that's something I definitely wanted to be in from day one. I've always thri- thrived to make something out of the music. I, I, I always view myself on stage and envision a future of me being success, successful mm-hmm. in the music. You get me? Um, that, that was my dream. That was my aspiration. And while some other people in my class at the time wanted to be lawyers, doctors, Indian and chiefs, you know, I wanted to be an artist on stage singing to millions of people. Mm-hmm. So what was your first move, I guess, like in high school or something to really start to go towards music? And did you always want it to be a singer or did you start DJing first? What was your first thing? My thing was just music and I look a bit, I look a bit at everything really. You know what I mean? Of course, you know, my father's a DJ, you mm-hmm. see me? And again, I have both DJs and singers coming into my midst. So I was inspired by, by the whole idea. That's why you find say. I've become this versatile individual in terms of being able to DJ, being able to sing, being able to sing J, as they would call it, and also produce. Because I've, I, I had all of that entity in my surroundings and I gravitated to it and absorbed what I was in the midst of like a sponge. And it is, it's been helping me in my career at this point, you know? Yeah. All right. So then now, so what was your first, probably amateur move towards getting into music? Did you join the choir? Were you singing in church? Were you just on the corner? What was your moves? What was your journey into the music now? Well, of course, you know, I used to go to a place, a school called um, Tavares Basic School. Mm-hmm. And then from there I left and I went to Maxfield Park Primary. From Maxfield Park Primary I left and I went to, I went to um, Nama Manley Comprehensive. Well, Nama Manley I, before it became Comprehensive I. Mm-hmm. And through, the, through that whole period, I've always been involved in some kind of choir activity. You know, I mean, our school, our school engagement activity where you as a student was allowed to present your talent on stage. You feel me? Mm-hmm. I used to go to that place, a, a church called St. Peter Clever Church off Walton Park Road. I was a part of the choir there as well. So at that point in time, you know, I was definitely putting out that energy via that, you know? Mm-hmm. Right there. And then did you, now you went through, you did all the college and stuff. Did you enter any contests or anything? Well, I did eventually. I mean, I did enter some contests after I became a member of the group ARP. You see me? Okay, so then let's go back then. So then this means clearly you met ARP. You met the members of ARP first. How did you connect with some of the members or the members of ARP? Well, Prior to that, I remember this one, one thing I want to mention. I remember my father was the first person who took me to the studios. Okay. And um, gave me the first opportunity to put my voice on wax. Mm-hmm. You get me? Because uh, I, I used to go to 
to the studio with my father. I, I used to bring the, I used to hook up the 24 track <laughs> and the two track and, you know what I mean? Yeah. Follow him go to the studio, like, I'm going to Black Scarpia studio or Dunga Jamis and then place to go work. So you find, you know, I never forget one time I was there and, yo, this is like, I, I always remember this. I remember one day I was there and we were doing some work. You know what I mean? And Jenny has burned come and doing thing and, I remember me here, I'm back and nice in the studio here, I don't know, black scarf here. I'm going to go out the door, I beat him, man. It's the first time I used to beat him, man. Ever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bad man, wicked man, I take my feet high, go in and do my skin hand. I mean, I say, yo, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a young man. Mm-hmm. It, but because I look at you, I never really know a beat him, man, like that. But, say, but for me, the man, sit at you and say, yo, what are you, buddy, sting this? You see me? And, after that, you know, I remember being there and my father was like, yo, go into the box. So I looked at him like, huh? Can you know, really, you want the opportunity, you get me I said? And the man said, yeah, go into the box, man. Put the candle in my ears and find something for the radio. Let me hear it. I'm going into the box and start singing that thing and him say, all right, go. You go home. You finish right the truth for the radio, man. Why is it funny, man? Vice two song with me. You get me at that time. Him give me a name, O.A. Thomas. Mm-hmm. I never do like the name, so you know, daddy, you know, <laughs> from daddy Sarah, then you know, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still nervous at the thing. You get me, yeah. But, um, I must give him, him props because by him allowing me to go in the box and exercise my talents and that and those rhythms, mm-hmm. it opened up also not the fact that I could sing. To myself, it opened up the fact that I could also write my own mm-hmm. music. Because it was the first opportunity I got to pen something. And I've been writing music since. You get me? Now, fast forward now, boom. I was still in high school, about my last year in school. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend named Bobby Brown. See me, Robert, Robert Brown, we call him Bobby Brown. You get me? Because the man, they have them eye tap on. The man, they need sex in this. You get them? I said, I them. But I'm a good friend, but best friend at the time. And me and them are flex. They get me. And remember one day, he said to me, say, Yo, you know, sir, I know about a group here, farm, and run a my way. If you come around there and come link up and see where I go on. And then we follow them around there one day and meet one of the members, Alvin. Rose Green, he was the first member I met. Okay. And then eventually came Patrick Hilton and then Mitch. You see me? Mm-hmm. And then eventually after the group started running, we started making some headways. We bring on our fifth member. You see me? But those four guys that I spoke to you about, Rob, um, Alwyn, Patrick, Mitch, and myself was the four founding foundation members of ARP. And that is how the group started. Again, we will start emulate the American groups like Jodeci and Westerman and Shy and them. Mm-hmm. And it was that end of some competition. You get back at the time, group thing wasn't really prevalent in Jamaica. You know, we really kind of were the forerunners of that. We kind of built that and started because there were groups before us. In, but like, mm-hmm. we're talking about like the Eptones and them thing, but in, in that modern time. The young people-ish type of, yeah, type of groups. Yeah, there wasn't any group around doing anything in that regard. And now we come and say, yo, boom, group. And then we start to do that now. And then eventually, I forgot his name. This guitarist, mm-hmm. named name, name Chin. Very, very, very influential guitarist at the time. I forgot his first name, but it's... Earl Chin? Earl Chin. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, him chop out now, but mm-hmm. him start the summer record we had. And look, I remember him saying to us, well, you know, you guys are singing R&B and trying to sing the American kind of music in Jamaica. And honestly, it, it's not, it's not going to work. It's best when the start sings some reggae. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see me? And I saw now we start dipping at the box now and start coming up with some reggae vibe now. You get me? And we enter Taste the Talent Contest. And of course, you know, the history to mash it up. Mm-hmm. Rip it apart. They get to me and say, we never really come first. But everybody will tell you that we were actually the winners because we were the, the crowd favorite, even though we came second. Okay. You know what Before we even go too far into the taste and the ARP, one question I want to ask you. When you recorded those two songs for your father, what was it like actually hearing yourself back recorded now? Because remember, you know what you sound like in your mind, but to hear yourself back on a record or recording, how did that sound and how did that feel to you? I can't have the feeling. The feeling was euphoric. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the sound <laughs> was great, but it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, back then, when I heard it, to me, it was fine. It was exciting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was like the best day of my life ever, but as I got older and I listened back to them songs, I cringe. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had it, but I didn't have it. Now mm-hmm. I have it. You know what I mean? So yeah. if I come through that, I know it's like, oh, what were you even doing? I mean, what was that? You know? <laughs> did, he actually, <laughs> did he actually release those songs? Or yeah. you just have them? No, I remember you know, mm-hmm. production in, in them time, the verse is now different to them. You get mm-hmm. the message here, everything has evolved. You know, and as um, individuals, we have all evolved too, you know, talent-wise, you get me? Mm-hmm. But them time, the brother, may I tell you, you know, I tell me, I'm thing, right? You're my heart like fire them time, you get me? I say, but I'm look back now, I say, eh. Mm-hmm. Boy, you have to look where my youth. <laughs> and those yeah. were released under O.A. Thomas at that time there. Yeah, O.A. Thomas was released as, as I said, I never liked the name, but my work with it. Mm-hmm. And right. says, so, you know? Yeah. All right. Something that's what I wanted to know there. All right. So then fast forward back to the uh tasty contest. You guys came second, but that's when you guys started to make some noise. So what was the next move after the contest? Now did the producer see you guys? Did you guys start visiting studios? What was the next move for ARP at that time there? The next move at that time really so we as I said before we start do Carberry on an art course, perform a basketball and you know I mean sandals and all these hotels and you know what I mean? When I perform at them places, you have to come with it. We had them. We're doing Carberry's performance and voice and everything. It, it, you have to feel a chap. Mm-hmm. You get the message you're performing for tourism, for the tourism industry. You feel me? So a different level, I think, requires for that. And while we were doing that, we were still kind of doing some production by ourselves, trying to get ourselves out there until eventually, you know, we start link up. We start link up with um, Shaggy Vibes. You get me? And when we start looking up with Shocking Vibes, we start Vice and Shocking Vibes label. And then we start to build up a close friendship with Beanie Man on a musical level. Look how crazy that is. First, you remember, <laughs> you've seen him as a studio, say, this guy is wicked. And then yeah, now right. we started to work with him. Exactly. But he might even know, say, me didn't see them times. Because the time when we see him, the song, he does build the song. And he would have wax it. Hmm. And come at the studio and bust the place with him. And then, you know what I mean? Years later now, me and I grew up now and boom, here we are working together. You get to me and say, shocking vibe style. And that is all, that is when the real energy start come. We have forever the carburetor thing now. And you know what I mean? We start to book for some shows here and there. And you know, 
Yeah. Okay, so then how did you even go from O.A. Thomas to DeVille? How did that happen? Uh, well, I can't tell you this. Moving from O.A. Thomas is no surprise. I had to move away from that. Kind of me that they get me. Mm-hmm. Um, DeVille now still, after my leave ARP, I went solo. Okay, and hold on, Erks. If you're if this is after ARP, I don't even want to get there yet. We still right, have some ground. <laughs> okay, yeah, we have grounds to cover. Okay, so you're still yeah. so you went into ARP as OA Thomas. No, well, I never really liked the name, you know. When my father said OA Thomas, I never really liked the name, you know, like embrace it. Mm-hmm. You get me? But just have the name upon them to record the pan wax. Because mm-hmm. I never really voice anything by myself after that. Mm-hmm. You see me? I just did those those two singles for him, and then I became a member of a group, and then become the leads one of the one of the lead members of the group. I never really thought about going solo since, you know, that the, the, the thought never really occurred to me that one day I'd go solo. You feel me? Because as far as I'm concerned, it was all about the group. It was all about ARP at that time. I never seen nothing else on my visionary board ahead. Mm-hmm. You dig? Got you. So you guys started to record for um, Shocking Vibe. What was one of your first hits you guys got as a group now? Yeah, well, I must say The Lion Sleeps, the remake of that was the biggest thing. <laughs> you know, we could have performed up on any show and don't sing that. Mm-hmm. You get the man say? Um, in terms of Shocking Vibe label itself, I can't say that we had a hit record by ourselves on that label, but we did have some songs with Beanie Man, especially on the Many Moods of Moses, album mm-hmm. that was nominated for Grammy for being a man that we did the intro for that and also did some backgrounds and also a couple of lead a couple of features mm-hmm. on that album. You get the me I said to you um the, the the eight songs I would say is like songs like Selena that we did for Computer Paul. You know what I mean? Tinted Care that we did for Scatter. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah yeah from there and another big one you guys had too was um storm and missing you those were two yeah. big songs there yes storm was for rc1 records as well because we started we, we were signed to rc1 records eventually mm. you get me we were working very close with them and then missing you was for banky banky lost production you get the answer yeah yeah, missing you. I remember when that came out. This came out right after, clearly, right after Biggie Smalls had died and everything. And that song right there, anytime you heard Stone Love at mm-hmm. in that time there, they would always play that song and that rhythm there. Yeah, because we were we were oh, so we were signed to RC1 at one point, and we were also signed to Spectrum, Spectrum, mm-hmm. which is specialist. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Bankilos was a part of Spectrum. You know what I mean? Cause a lot of people don't know, but Eventually, we had migrated to Florida, but we got signed to Spectrum. We were living in Florida at the time and kind of moved away from the Jamaican scene. You know, <laughs> we came back to, when we came back to Jamaica, some different people around the thing in terms of group. You get me? Yeah. This is where the TOK came into you guys' life right now. Yeah, man. Big up TOK, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. This was the first time you guys really started to hear about them when you guys came back, no? As a group? No, we we, we kind of heard about them before, but at, at that time, they were doing the same thing that we were doing in terms of how we started out, they were doing that. And mm-hmm. when I say that, I say that to say this. They were doing the emulations as well as of the different overseas groups. 
You know what I mean? I don't think that they were really deep into the reggae or dancehall thing mm-hmm. when we left Jamaica. You know, we, when we leave Jamaica and come back now, we hear some different thing. And the man, they might go hard. I mean, I tell you, I, I mean, from the, from the very first song I heard from T.O.K. in terms of what they started doing in dancehall and, and reggae, I fell in love with the style. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Them thing, turn up, you get me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because both groups were very unique in how you guys sounded. It was, both groups were, okay, you guys had five. I think they had four. But the way how you guys would sound like one voice when put together was mm-hmm. so amazing, both groups at that time there. Same, same. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But then even now, this is when I know there was an issue between ARP and mm-hmm. TOK. What had happened there? Oh, man. I hope this is the last time I talk about this. But, <laughs> you know, I haven't, I haven't really spoken about this in years because, mm-hmm. you know, them and I are good. For sure. Very, very, very good. You know, I, you know, um, it's unfortunate whatever happened, but it happened and that's just the reality of things. It just so happened that when they, I don't know, I, I think we did some kind of performance and they did some kind of performance somewhere. Where we kind of felt a vibe. Mm-hmm. Like, there wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't a mutual respect. You did? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I, I, I can't really pinpoint the exact time I did or it start, but I just know that eventually what happened is this. They did a song, Chichiman. Mm-hmm. See me? Now, scatter now have a rhythm. I'm linking. And of course, you know, a lot of people have issues with the Chichiman song. It's a big song, but some people have said, yo, and this and some people have mm-hmm. said that. We you know I said, okay. Um, when they were asked a question, what Chichiman mean? It's like they must say, well, you know, some termite in a hood and <laughs> some man in the group I said, yo, my youth. I don't mind them that word up to the thing. Even twins, as a matter of fact, twins of twins was really pushing the fire behind yo. When you need for, when you need for do us and I'll counter it because the man them now. Who would have told them really? I said, I'm a girl in the bush for them. I try get the hype out of the song and not really embrace what the song is truly dealing with, which we all know said is not termite in a wood. You see me? So, of course, they might push the fire up and we and some man in the group I said, yo, you mean, I come for three. Mm-hmm. My mama part of a group. We can't say no, and every man I say, yeah, <laughs> let's go with the flow. Anyway, eventually, me say, eventually, I'm saying yeah, too. I like really ensure that I mean it makes sense. Mm-hmm. If you say termite is that, then we need some kind of explanation. And that is where you now um, Tinted Care came up. You see what I'm saying? Kadema, Sadema, love boy, I move like a shatter. Oh, I heard the eagle. You know what I mean? So we are set. In the sun, shatter, and I was on the leave on the eagle and the car. You hear me? So we just said, oh, say, if you're shatter, or if you leave the eagle and the car, dog, because for a beacon, so as, as a garrison youth, mm-hmm. Batman have left them gone in the car, Batman have gone for a waste. Mm-hmm. You get the message here? So if you say, yeah, shatter, that means you're wrong with other song that are wrong slang. <laughs> you see me? Because <laughs> the song for scatter is, is called wrong slang, because mm-hmm. they use certain slang to. And to, to basically describe certain things where in our real life, me and you as a youth from the ghetto, you see me say, as a bad man or a gangster, you know left eagle in a car. You see me? So now the song, the song come now and we build it and voice it now for scatter and I guess even a party night where one of them was jeering 
I think the fight, the very fine voice singer in TOK, mm-hmm. it, it was just a hilarious thing. We were just having fun with the record. You get the message. Whenever I expect it, the violence thing I'm going. When things are a lyrical thing, you get the message. I look at sure. five, Bounty and Beanie do it. I'm the two top DJ in Jamaica. You get the message. We are the two top group. Boom. Mm-hmm. But what do we know? Simple. It's a fun thing. Enjoy it. But then what's that like? The man them take it personal day. Me know for the jeering when they look at man a jeering man I said, "What my name voice?" And the man, the man them take it serious me. What about that? What about that show on the end of the man? The man pre pre meds, be a screw face. Me I said, "I said yo, what what is for now?" Anyway, a musical thing. Wait, me left it there. So I mean, it's a musical thing. And I'm a citizen. One day, I'm at RFM now, and me, you know, at the time, my girl, my girl at the time, work at, she's a, was a executive at RFM at the time. You okay. Um, but the thing is, is with that, my, my situation will always separate my business from her workplace. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if I go to her workplace more time, I check her, I pick her up from work and take her home and drop her off so we can... I do my business on the road, musically speaking. Mm-hmm. Just so happened that one day, my girl went there on one of my visits, we could probably pick her up or chop her off some lunch or whatever. I'm driving, I said, okay. Mr. said, three members of the group. Mm-hmm. See me, Mr. said, DSA. See Mr. Craig. See And is it? I don't remember the other one. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Mr. three other man. Me come in, so when me come to the gate now, <laughs> I said, the man, I'm a preemie. <laughs> so, <laughs> in my heart, I just laugh, me a laugh. As I said before, it's a fun thing to me. I never expect no violence thing. I laugh, me a laugh, and I say, yo, what am I going to wear one song, dog? I want song, me. You know what I mean? Anyway, I may walk past now, me a laugh, them have scrubbed them face, and I preemie. Me a laugh, and me a walk. So, I don't know what. Um, you like, must like, a man comes and not the mentor and next man like them and say, yo, see me, I know. <laughs> you see me? <laughs> and before me know it, we kick off. <laughs> they get a message here, we kick off now. Um, I think I'm BSC. BSC running and have a stick in a man and put a one lip on with the stick and the stick. My left and broke the stick, broke out, boom. I'm going to look. I see our next man running now. I think, yeah, Craig running now. I hug me up from behind. See me? <laughs> but him hugging me up now from behind. I hold on for me. And BSA lick me with a stick. I feel like say a gang thing. The man might gang me up. So now, I don't know. It's like my angel that walk with me. They make sure they put on a saw while they cut inside upon the ground. <laughs> Because uh, the angel knows that this will never stand up <laughs> when that I go on. So I have to defend myself. So when Craig hold, when Craig hold me up now, I mean, look down from the ground. I see a cutting saw from the ground in front of me. Like he just chop out the heaven and chop on my foot. <laughs> so I just shake out my hand and take up the saw. And I turn and give him one cross and drop. And I see I give him shake it off. You know, I mean, I'm not moving away. You look at, I mean, you look at man and the little really move him, the stick it off and I come again. So I see him come again. Mm-hmm. So these have one more and give one more. 
And the star comes and bend around him head and you know what I mean? And by the time I could do so again, that must have pissed him off even more. I'm gonna look around and see the next shoot now I come the, and the other singer, like in my movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go off and find the start and like see some of my business and I'm ease off. And before I know it, the security guard now run and grab me from behind. And run with me going to the office mm-hmm. and close the door behind me. Mm-hmm. Right through this whole ordeal, brother. I laugh, me, I laugh, you know. <laughs> I no, seriously. I laugh, me, I laugh, me. <laughs> That's because I never expect that. You get what I say? But in the heat of things, you never know. You get what I say to you? Me never really want to cast them on the arm. But I defend myself. Mm-hmm. You see me? And I just you know before I knew it, and I was like, because Craig couldn't get to me, because the security guard bring me to the office and lock the door. You see me? And everybody in the office said, yo, don't open the door. He start break on the people them door and mash up the glass and one bag of thing and then eventually them leave. Mm-hmm. And that was that. Next thing we know, it's not a press out of the road. ARP and TOK at war. One bag of thing. And I say, yo, what is that? Big man, the day when the song do, I laugh, me I laugh. Mm-hmm. When we see the man in the area from the man in my cover, the one song, I laugh, me I laugh. Through the whole idea of the altercation, I laugh, me I laugh. Even when I stop the man crossing face on the side, I laugh, me I laugh. Because in my head, I said, this is not called for because honestly, Mr. Garrison, you, where do you come from? <laughs> we know the Garrison thing, and we know the real inner dirty thing. You get the message here? Mm-hmm. And we know the uptown thing, because we were fortunate to. Be on both sides of the fence. You get the mindset here? So, when we see that going over, look, one song, I say, I'm not gangster thing that, brother. I say, look, childish thing that be. If it's a song, offend you, they're going to make a next song and counteract the one that we do. Is it mindset here? Mm-hmm. Simple thing. We never need the violence to get involved. Anyway, at the time, that was the energy. Unfortunate. And it's still that way for a while until eventually now. It's still that way until up until the point when I leave ARP. Mm-hmm. It was still like that until eventually now. Me now, as we step off in my own um, platform as Davil, me couldn't bring ARP baggage with me. Because that wasn't my baggage. Mm-hmm. That wasn't my doing. That wasn't Davil. That was ARP. You get me? I said to you. So if me and our organization and those are my brothers, you know what I mean? And me know say the song itself, I come from a place of just having fun and basically just uh we don't call it a counter reaction, we call it a clarification song. Mm-hmm. Me never say a problem with it at the time. But apparently, you know, sometimes you don't know what offend people until they actually do something. And the little the, 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 the smallest thing sometimes will make people overreact or act a certain way because they might see them thing there differently from all we all we thought at the time. I mean, now when I look back at it, if I could change anything, I wouldn't have done that song. Oh, you wouldn't really because you weren't really feeling it at first, but then you just went along because the group is doing No, I mean I'm gonna say for at first, I never to feel it, but eventually I'm gonna say it to it. Because at first it was presented like a counteraction. Mm-hmm. And I never know the counteraction thing. You can't counter a song like that. But when the man them says a clarification song, you get me and say, like, when them say them leave them eagle in the car. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we are say, oh, you feel if you're eagle in the car, you are about three bar, and I stay far. Then 
That's, that's clarification. What do you mean by that? You feel me? When they say, when they say, Chichiman, and then we are we are we are Jamaica, know what Chichiman mean, and then you go say it's termite in the wood. Clarify that for me, please. What do you mean? You feel me? That's all the song was dealing with. But them take it personal, and again, I understand because maybe they saw it like we were trying to ruin their career, we're trying to bring some kind of bad spotlight on them thing, and that wasn't my intention. You get the message here, and I never really feel good knowing that they felt that way and thinking that they felt that way because that wasn't my intention. You did, but I was a part of it. I was a part of the organization at the time, so I am guilty. Mm -hmm. That's as my brothers were at the time. When I went solo, is when I realized that, you know, I can't bring them kind of energy there with me and that baggage there with me. You know what I mean? Because I'm not a different person. I am by myself now representing my own platform. And I represent an Alex Man platform where my thing ever come into question. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Anything me do is on me. Anything me represent at that time is on me and me alone. You know what I mean? And eventually, I don't remember how it happened, but eventually, me and them link up and we quash that. You know what I mean? Because I got nothing but love for them you there. You got the message to you, Craig, BSC, you know what I mean? The world crew. You see me? And you yeah. see the thing with it? I spoke to them, and you see it's almost like speaking to Craig and BC again, where you see the same respect you have for them yeah, is the man. same thing they had for you. They were very honest with the story. That basically, they word for word what you just said, but mm -hmm. what they said is, yo, they have respect for you because you guys worked it out as big men after the fact. Yeah, man. Definitely. You understand? Definitely. And that's why I even said, you know what? That's why I wanted to bring up that story just to show that you could fight. You could even get into a physical fight with one of your coworkers, you know, but then you were going to be mature enough to actually work it out after the fact. Yeah, because if I understand, if I be a man about certain things, I get the message that you can't walk around. And to me, I'm going to make this abundantly clear. Mm -hmm. I do not walk around with that incident on my shoulder like it's a stripe. You see me, I said to you, brother, mm -hmm. if anything... I walk around, and if I do remember that, and if somebody do bring that up, I say, yo, I don't want to talk about that. Leave it alone. You get the message here that's in the past. But the reason why I'm, I think I'm even explaining it to you, because up until this interview, I've heard people talking about the interview that they did, that I think you did with um, um, the other guys, even Mitch himself. I've yeah, never Mitch. really watched mm -hmm. I've never really watched them, you know, because I never really want to get back drawn into that, that kind of energy. You get the message, but I know eventually one day I would have had to address it with you. Mm -hmm. And um, here we are now addressing that. You get me? For sure. And that's what it is. As big man, I could respect that 100% time. Before we even get out of ARP, I know there was one time you guys connected with Jay-Z. Do you remember that? Yo... So much things happen, brother. When I like to you, maybe, you know, because I I traveled through, the, I, I, I've been through a career of being a member of ARP and then still on the path of the career of David. So much things happen that some things I don't even remember um, word for word or note for note. Think, but I, you know, I remember certain things. Maybe Mitchell and Monday, you know, which is kind of still under the umbrella of ARP on a different level, can more divulge into that. You get me? 
from there. I get that 100%. So, okay, you did your time ARP. And so why did you decide to leave it at a time there? Because ARP was one of the few groups that seemed to have two mem- two noticeable members, which was you and Mitch. You would always see you guys, you know, okay, these are the two lead singers right here. So mm-hmm. why did you decide to say, okay, you know what? It's time to go on my own right now after you're with this group. Um, so one of the things comes into play with that because me getting up and making a, 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 a decision to leave the group wasn't something that was easy for me to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was very, very hard. It was a very difficult decision, but I knew in the end that it was one that needed to be made. And what really got me to that point was the fact that um, I was with the group and I felt like we got we, we, we got we got stagnant at one point. We're not. We're not evolving and we're not moving forward. You know, and I wanted to do other things. You know, I wanted to do more from a musical perspective. And, you know, it's like you can't at times when there were moves, moves to be made and things to be done, members will go missing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, no, you're fine, say. You can't move forward because you can't find A or you can't find B to come and do their part. Mm-hmm. To a point where there were a couple of songs that I voiced. And I did um, I did I did a couple of songs by myself. Okay. Ominous and everything. And I still said ARP. Mm-hmm. And that kind of woke me up like, what are you doing? Because you're doing all of this work and then the man that was supposed to come and come represent, you know, I said them. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna call the name, I'm gonna point the fingers, but this is the reality. You get to mess. I felt like sometimes we would do a show, and once we all get money from the show, certain individuals in, individuals will go missing, and you can't find them until it's time for to do our next show or do something again for some more money. Run up because the money with them have for that show, they run out. While me still hungry, even though I look at money, I come in, I want more food, me hungry, I want this. I remember one day we had a meeting, and I never forget this. The word, my my exact words to them was this: "Listen, if we're gonna do this as five members, yeah, four, yeah, three, two, if it's even me alone, mm-hmm. this ever gonna happen?" They get to me. I said to you, I literally said that to them. Mm-hmm. You see me? And then I think at one point, um, the fifth member that we brought in got in some trouble, and he was no longer a part of the group. And then no. It was three of us because one person migrated and then now it was me and Mitch saying, okay, let's go do a duo thing. And then I'm like, you know what? Let me just go do me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see me? Let me just go do me, man, because I mm-hmm. can't I mean, Too much head. I fear the pen pan for me. One decision. You get me? And I was at, we were, by that point, by that time, we were at Penthouse Records. Yes. We're now working with Donovan, Jeremy, and I'm, i never forget, I had a meeting with Jeremy, and I'm like, Jeremy, honestly, you know what I mean? And Jeremy said, yo, so it's true to that. <laughs> vice, when you really want vice, man, when you want vice. Mm-hmm. You get me, I said, yeah, and I saw number start. Because I remember my advice sang for Donovan Jeremy, even by myself, and I said, ARP. So okay. Jeremy, don't see what I was doing and what was happening and why I was so frustrated. Mm-hmm. The song I did with Marcel Griffiths, that was supposed to be ARP and Master Griffiths. It's the levels. Mm-hmm. I don't much have to show you, but the man, them, to me, get lackadaisical, man. And I, I, mean, I say, yo, now is that the time. 
And Isn't as it? you, when you started this conversation, you said that your father was ambitious. He brought you guys from the garrison to uptown and you're yeah. very similar to your father. So clearly you're going to say, come, let's get more. There's higher mountains to go, 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 go. But not yeah. everybody's seen it that way. Yeah, cause I, remember, I can't tell you this right now. My father never let a group thing for money. <laughs> money yeah. used to cost me that. Around. Yo, every day you get up, you want four long seed man button on, sing, sing, sing. Go sing by yourself. You alone can't do it. What do you tell me, sir? Well, yeah, one back man, I run up and up on stage. But he never understand. You feel me? Mm -hmm. He hear what I said. But to me, I never pray no, no, no soul thing. I pray the fact that these are my brothers. We're building something special. We're going to do great things. And we did great things. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I can tell you this. If there wasn't an air there wouldn't be a David. I got that 100%. I'm going to tell you why, too. Mm -hmm. ARP was like, you know, when you leave high school at a time for college, ARP was college to me. Mm -hmm. It is because I never know where AFKI meant and what AFKI was or when you're flatter, when you're sharp. I never know what alto bass, soprano antenna was until I went to ARP. Mitch, I have to give Mitch a lot of thank you because... Mitch was very instrumental in me recognizing and realizing things in me I didn't even knew was there because he brought that out of me. Mm -hmm. Mitch teach me how to recognize keys and Mitch teach me how to sing harmony. Okay. And those lessons I've taken them and I've built on them and they have been keeping me in my career as David right now. You did? So my father never said the importance of ARP, but I saw it. You feel me? So... It's just unfortunate that when it came to that time for us to do other things, it was just time for me to go. And I walked away from the group, leaving ARP, letting them know that, listen, I'm going to do my thing when I can't still do anything ARP because I want to do some sort of thing that I want to express and you guys aren't on that. You guys don't want to do these songs, so I want to go do them solo by myself. And a matter of fact, when I said that initially, I said, I would go and do these things solo by myself since you guys don't want to do it and I would still be a part of ARP. I would just come up with a different name. Just like, you know, you had the other groups who were lead singers who were doing solo projects but still a member of their groups. They didn't want that. Okay. You feel me? Is the group our solo? So I was given an ultimatum. Mm -hmm. So I chose the ultimatum. I went solo. Mm -hmm. And I leave ARP still intact. When I leave ARP, we're still there. You did? Mm -hmm. Yeah. From there, good. So you're doing your stuff. But you said this is now when you got your name, DeVille. How did you come up with your name, DeVille? <laughs> well, after I leave, I'm going to swallow. I'm going to come to The thing never worked out musically. And then I took a trip to Philadelphia. Migrated for a while. Okay. I, live, I, I lived in Philadelphia with my uncle. You know what I mean? And I was doing a nine-to-five. And you know, America, <laughs> yeah. America, America rough for you when you do a nine to five with the snow. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that until I started <laughs> doing that. Mm -hmm. And it dawned on me one day when I was at the bus stop in freezing snow, trying to get on this bus to go to job. I'm going to my job. And I said to myself, what are you doing to yourself, yo? Mm -hmm. You left the music and come to America at a nine to five and leave a talent behind. No D. You need to go back to Jamaica. At the time, to my girl at the time, she was still in Jamaica, and she was like, yo, you need to come back and get back to your music, man. 
Mm-hmm. And I saw now my family is a little thing with my uncle now and you know what I mean come back to Jamaica and but the name Davil the name Davil I had before I left and migrated because I remember now I was still working with Donovan Jeremy and I remember the first song I did for him solo was I think called uh, Love Will Show Me The Way mm-hmm. Love Will Show Me The Way Even Though I'm Hurting You know what I mean mm-hmm. and then when I did that song, I came up with the name Davil, mm-hmm. and it was derived, derived from my from my real name, Orville. Mm-hmm. I remember me telling him I never took I never took come with him with the oil Thomas thing. Mm-hmm. He does sound kind to me. I love my name in you know, Orville because it's unique, but you know, unique enough to be a presentation and stage. Mm-hmm. I never really see somebody. Say, ladies and gentlemen, what I will come and say is Orville. It's like it just yeah. it doesn't have that. That's thing that mm-hmm. you see me. So, my good friend from Tonto Machan Devante, you know what I mean? Devante. Mm-hmm. I say, yo, you know what I name that name there? Devante, the shot and catch it. You see me? Mm-hmm. I'm say, my name is Orville. I'm going to dissect and make it more interesting. I said, Davil. Devante, Davil. You see? I said, I'm going to come up with Davil. You see me? And then uh, when I come up with it now and Jeremy put it on the record, it was spelled D hyphenated V I L L E. So when the record come out now and go start spread on their uh, Europe, mm-hmm. this DJ <laughs> this DJ from Legend, that when Jeremy called me and they said, yo, we need to have a meeting, man. So when the link came up, he said to me, say, why? So what your name and if we fix up your name, man. So I said, what do you mean? I said, well, I need from London called him. I said, yo, Jermaine, oh, I got this record here, yeah? Uh, I, really, I really love the record. I love the tune, yeah? But uh, but, but, but it's all is. Uh, it's not devil. So <laughs> 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 yes, said, I said, yeah, man, I said, you need devil by the record. I said, yes, to me. I said, oh, man, that can't work me. You're going to do something about the name, Jermaine. The devil, you know, doesn't look good on the record. You know, and I said, no. I said, you know, yeah, let me see what I can do and save myself. When I'm not, when I want an association with the enemy, mm-hmm. you know, but I fire up on the devil straight, it did. So I said, da, it's supposed to be devil. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I must come to the book and I say, you know, A, D, A, Hyphenated, V-I-L-L-E, Davil. Mm-hmm. So now you know if you pronounce it, but put it in your mouth in terms of the wording of how you should express it. Mm-hmm. Davil. You see me? And I saw come now, when the other records came along after that, you never saw another record with that particular way of spelling on it. Mm-hmm. It has always been the D-A with the hyphenated V-I-L-L-E or the straight D-A-V-I-L-L-E. See, mm-hmm. do you get me? Mm-hmm. That's big right there. But you see, again, it's just sometimes in conversation, a DJ had a, com- a conversation with somebody and that changed the entire name. And here yeah. we are today, just something that simple. Yeah, man, simple thing, but it worked. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it was relevant because can you imagine if I had done numerous records and put that name on it? It would be very difficult to backtrack from that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. So when this song with Marcia Griffiths, was this the first one that came out? The first big one from Penthouse, All My Life with Marcia Griffiths? Yeah, because eventually, after I did quite a few songs, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but that's a work on God. German gave me the access in his children to do whatever I wanted to do on any rhythm. So, but that's that advice and play around the rhythm and exercise my talents, you know. And if something was, um, I mean, seemed like it was good enough for him, you would release it. And I remember when I came up with the idea for the All My Life with Master Griffiths, I, I was, I think I was still a member of ARP, and I think that was the song that made me decided to go solo because I wanted to do the song with Marcy and then someone never too interested. Like they never too interested from my point of view. And then no, I'm I think Jeremy and I said, Jeremy, I have this song that I want to sing over for the longest. And I think that if you could get Marcy to give her song this song, it would make a big difference. She could really do some damage with the song, you know? Mm-hmm. At that time, remember Ms. Soda you no name at the time, Soda wise speaking, still younger than thing, so it was kind of, <laughs> uh, it was kind of um, majestic kind of eye <laughs> to be asking what I was asking, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, but anyway, Jeremy loved the idea, and I guess he reached out to Marcia, and um, we made a studio appointment. And we bring in Lenky and the whole team, and we build uh, the song from scratch. By the time the rhythm was done, build Marcia. Came in, man. I tell you, man, yo, when Marcia walked through the door, that was like, that was so heavy, man. Like, mm-hmm. that was just like royalty that's coming to the building. Be of course, you know I mean? man. Ooh, boy, I tell you, I never forget the feeling of that day, boy. When I saw Marcia, and I know for a fact that I'm gonna sing a song with her. Ooh, boy, <laughs> man. And then when she opened her mouth on the record, man, I'm like, ooh. Yeah. And there you're off. So I know you spent you spent about three years over at Penthouse? Yeah, I did. And then I mean by me being over there eventually, when that song came out, it was doing great. Mm-hmm. But nobody still was recognizing me on the record. They heard me on the record, but nobody knew who, who, who it was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They just know that Marcy have this song with this person. They love the record. They're playing the record. You know what I mean? But it's just Marcy and Griffith's son. What are they again? <laughs> you know De- devil? It's not devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> me never really care. Mm-hmm. Me just know say, uh, my advice that then one day I'm going to know who it is. You get me? Mm-hmm. And if eventually, again, even though that one, it was a bit rough for me still in terms of being solo. And then I left the business and I went to Philly. Mm-hmm. And I, as I told you before, one day I made my mind up to come back, make a plan with my uncle at the time to fund my projects because I already, by this time, knew how to do certain things by being around Pentos by, and being around Donovan German and watch how him operate from a production standpoint. And from being around my father, over the years that I was with him, from seeing how he operated from a, from a production standpoint as well, you know, and picking up certain things from ARP. So mm-hmm. now I brought all of that into my umbrella and said, you know what, I'm going to use this and create my own thing. And I just got fed up of voicing for all these different people who I didn't think was presenting me with the right platform. You know, they were giving me like one track for putting on one voice. Mr. Singer, more harm in the tracks, man. More on track of what is the double up on when my thing sounds sweet like some other people. You get me, but who am I? I never really have no powers on the thing. A young artist, I tried doing thing. Yeah, used to be in an area, but 
You're not part of the therapy anymore, so your, your level of power drop. You get me? I said to you, it's back from scratch again. So after voicing for all these people, I mean, I'm voicing for Pentos predominantly, mm -hmm. voicing for Jammies, all the Jammies you them, you know what I mean? We're voicing for Dan Carlione, we're voicing for Renaissance, and all these people. And in the midst of that, I started doing my own production, and the very first song I self-produced, a song called In Heaven. Oh, thinking about the young kids. There was oh, oh yes, and baby, you are the ones when you lie here in my arms. You know what I mean? Very first time I produced myself, and guess what? That, <laughs> that was, was the first man. one to come out on the Fashosi label. Yeah, man. First time I produced myself, man. Because this, to me, it's not until, because I've heard all the songs for years, we've been to the concerts, everything, but it's when I said, okay, we're going to have this conversation, let me actually get some detail, that's when I really realized your massive songs really came off of your label, boss. Yeah, man. All your them. massive songs came off of the Fashosi label. All of them. All of them. Yeah, man. So, start produce myself. Mm -hmm. And that one song I produced kind of like showed me the light. Mm -hmm. It was like, Bing. Something went off up here like you. Mm -hmm. You could do this, man. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're, you could do this, be you know? So at that time, that came out on a label that I started with my uncle. We had a partnership with that and you know what I mean eventually I we did like I did another song called The One For Me, which was mm -hmm. co-written by my uncle. Mm -hmm. And that came out. So I'm in Jamaica now and you know what I mean? I do the, the things here where I go and vice different people and Hey, baby, I love the way you generate your body. You know what I mean? And then thinking for that Carleone and my wife, mm -hmm. some other things. Man, man, no, make no girl, sit up on them. You know what I mean? And one more thing, remember, you know, when I leave ARP, I'm going to dance up. <laughs> <laughs> See me? Mm -hmm. Straight dance up, I'm going to leave ARP. Come here, sing J1, DJ1. I wrote my child, compete with the elephant man and all these people. Japan. The jump up with him, them French vanilla and all these rhythm, thunder clap and one bigger thing. And then one German was the one one day. <laughs> Calm me down when I brought me back to senses, man. Because mm -hmm. I was at Pentos and Zumji and me and Assassin. Zumji, boss. With a quote of all song, much at the whole place. I'm gonna do the same as so I wait by my turn, you know? Yeah, I'm gonna do my thing. Then Assassin comes up, boom and boss, run gonna left me. <laughs> <laughs> After I come see me, the man boss and guy left him. I said, Cheese and peace, like, one, one, my thing not happened. Mm -hmm. Remember one day that I went Jeremy and called me and said, No, in the office, and I said, Listen, so whatever you say, I want for your assassin and Zumji, don't feel no way about it. Mm -hmm. Just know that it's their time in terms of what they do because they're my DJ. Mm -hmm. A DJ have to stay relevant by voicing five, six songs a day for the week. You was a singer, and guess what? It only takes one song mm. for you, for us. And when them voice five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten songs, them songs don't really have the longevity to keep them for years. But you see, when you voice for one good song as a singer, that can carry you for years and maybe for the rest of your life. i never forget that conversation. And so when I did... When I started singing now, and I did, I did all my life and all these wonderful things and leave and my comeback, I started to dive more into my singing part of my ability. And mm -hmm. I think that in heaven, 
was the song that kind of even bring that more to the fore. Because if I'm singing, it's different from when you sing Jake. When you sing Jake, you can't make use of the one track of the money I give for sing for the rhythm. Yeah. You have to it here. You can't put back harmony on that. But I realized, you know, with a song like that, if I wanted to do great justice to it, I had to do it my way. Mm-hmm. And I had to make it presentable. And by me producing myself, I give myself all the tracks in the world I need. I remember you're coming from a, a group, ARP, where that's your thing. You guys are into harmonies and different octaves and stuff. Like that. So then now, me as a solo, I can't just go on one, two tracks. I need to present it the same way that I'm used to. This exactly. Exactly. And that wasn't being given to me by most of the producers I work with. I mean, one and two, a few of them did allow me that. Because, you know, for example, when I'm working for Dan Carleone, the man, they said, Dan Carleone is, is genius within his, within his own right. Mm-hmm. And the man, another thing, I mean, Dan and Steve McGregor and Arif Cooper mm-hmm. are just a few of the producers that I've worked with over the years that really knew how to bring my vocals up and mm-hmm. present it properly. Because I've worked with many, I'm telling you this. That Monday, just know the thing on a different mm-hmm. level. They get to me and say, you get yeah. it. Because even one of your one of your biggest dancehall tracks was one you recorded for um Fire Links called Gallus. Yeah. All of the talks with them are Gallus. Make me see you like Some boys say them are Gallus. I spoke up the Charles. I never have a girl from them part. You know what I mean? <laughs> How did you even come up with that one there at that time? Well, I wanted to say, Firelings, I work on Mav the Rhythm, and I think him called me. Mm-hmm. I'm a girl on a Steve Stanley studio. I want to say my work on Yeah, the Rhythm, and I'm a cool face, I wrote. Mm-hmm. I'm a cool face girl on there, and you know what I mean? Come up with the vibe and the idea upon the song. <laughs> Exercise our talent, them time there. From a musical perspective, we are DJ, we are singer, we are singer at the same time. Everything I mix up, I get the message. My thing was just different. Mm-hmm. I never really could have, you couldn't call me them time there. You still can't call me right now, car. You know, I just meet that from morning, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you like the different styles and stuff. So then, yeah, okay, that was your dance hall. Mm-hmm. In, in heaven, that was the one that really took over. What was your next singing song that you produced that really, okay, this was the next monster that came out now? The one for me, but the funny thing is, no one in Jamaica, I mean, but the rest of the world that play the song, but mm-hmm. Japan. Yes, yes. That was our whole soul named song in Japan. Mm-hmm. And I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. I was in Jamaica, still doing my thing, did the, did, did the Inever song, produced my, keep kept producing myself. By this time now, I had cut ties with my uncle and his label, and the label we owned together. And I kind of left his label with him as his label and took my rights with me for the songs that we produced together. And I started my own label for Shorzy Records. Mm-hmm. But it's time I started producing myself now on, on my own thing. And then one day 
I was there and I guess some Japanese come to Jamaica and try to find me. <laughs> so my uh, uh, this guy at the time is my very close friend right now. But at, at that time, I'm, I just met him for the first time, mm-hmm. and he brought them to me. Yeah, Bobby Lickshot. So Bobby Lickshot bring them to me, and I say, "Yo, singer, them Japanese, I look for you in a mm-hmm. Book you for a couple of shows, Japan." You know? By that time, now I was working with a management team, um, called Adrak. Mm-hmm. And when the Japanese them come and them tell me what the deal was. Three show, a thousand US a show in Japan. Mm-hmm. It was me, Nikki B, Babylon Shot, and I think Trooper. <clears throat> anyway, when the deal was when the deal was presented to me, I link up the team and I say, yo, Japanese I'm a three grand and a show in a Japan and a she sure enough. Management can talk fast enough. That's it. That's it. Another. Bounty now, perform for the money. So, you haven't got Japan so far for three grand. Bounty now goes so far for three grand. Mommy, I'm a rude boy, I'm a bounty. Devil. I never get one granite in my pocket for anything at all. Okay, so this was the I'm highest gonna, money being offered to you. Yeah, man, I'm gonna give me a grand per show. I tell me no. So you know, I'm confused. Don't come here and say, "Channel star, I'm not gonna know." Three grand, no, no. Anyway, new girl now. The other girl, I will fly out and come back here. Which you ain't gonna have a new girl now. <laughs> I mean, I have a new girl now, and I talk to her, and I show her the vibe. I just said to me, she said. Them time to live, live in Jamaica now. Mm-hmm. And she's American. She's American. Jamaican, but she live in America. So I said to her, I said, yo, get a deal from a Japanese, you know. Three grand, three is showing up. But management has to make it up as a fire for that money. She said, honey, I think you should go. I think you should probably treat it like a vacation. Because mm-hmm. you might never ever get to go to those places again. Mm-hmm. This, is, this, is, this is your opportunity. I think mm-hmm. you should go. Boss, when we go and take the deal, them people, they vex, management team vex, and I write this on over cut ties because I go against mm-hmm. what I'm saying, I can't do, but I say, rude boy, three grand. You're not giving them money. Mm-hmm. If I lose a three grand right now, where am I going to get it back? I'm not bounty killer, you can't compare me to bounty. Bounty is bounty. I'm a singer doing my thing. Getting offer from some place I've never been. I'm going. So I'm going to go. Funny thing is, now what I'm going to do? <laughs> I see the flyer. And all the money may address me. May I say, what is uh, Mr. David? And I re- with respect him. You know what I mean? I'm going to feel good. May I say, I'm going to come out for the plane and fly first class for the first time. And you know, I say, you know, I love that life. You know what I mean? I say, I'm come out for the plane and the man, I'm grabbing my luggage. I'm not going to walk in the luggage. I'm not going to tell him. I say, hey, that treatment is sweet, man. I like this. And then I'm going to see the flyer and she say, my face is the biggest face on the flyer. And I say, hmm, when I'm going to win somebody, Faces this big on the fly, they have to be the headline act. I never come up and to be the headline act on the show. 
Me think you're not give me a grand pressure for us come sing one five or one so song and come off of the stage. Man, I said, no, Mr. David, you are headline hat. So I said, so if I'm headline in the show, how long am I going to perform for? Mm-hmm. Uh, we want you to perform uh, 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> what? Yeah, well, they said it was 45 minutes to an hour. For $1,000. $1,000 per show. And nobody's the funny part. The longest I've ever performed for on any stage up until that point was 10 to 15 minutes. <laughs> so they want you to triple your time. Men I know a 45 minute look by, like Panam stage. Mm-hmm. But you know what? When I spoke more in depth with them, they kind of helped me to understand that your songs, my songs, In Heaven and The One For Me was also names in Japan. Okay. They were like the creme de la creme of reggae in Japan, and I didn't even know that. You see me? So now we start box together now and start say, okay, I gotta put a a program together mm-hmm. to add up to four to five minutes to an hour. So me you know, you the genius thing about me you now. What's your genius? Okay, so this song is three minutes. So three and this song is four minutes. So three plus four. Okay, seven. I give you, I give you seven. Okay, so I would have to put together the timing for the songs and put them to book, and everything will come to five to five minutes. Man, I saw me have it. Me and I keep in mind, say, you have to add the intro, mm-hmm. the talking in between, the interactions, and all these the pull ups and all of those things. No, I didn't think it would come to mind. Me. <laughs> so, me put together my program now with some songs where. Did make it over the pan mixtape and thing. You know, I did some song like Left Side of Esco. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I did some song like for Cash uh, cash Money. No, no Cash Flow. Right? Cash Flow, yep. Yeah. All these songs end up over in a Japan pan uh, mixtape. So people were familiar with certain songs. It's just that those two songs was, were the monster song. The song that me and Master Griffiths to was also a monster song in Japan. Me never knew that. Hmm. Boom. I come to someone touch the stage mm-hmm. stage time I'm nervous like hell like, like hell because mm-hmm. it's a 45 minutes no sir alright anyway remember when I come from dance I know mm-hmm. and that's a push out on the singing thing certain way you know so most of my a majority of my music was dancehall. Mm-hmm. So say for example, I have like I have like 10, I have like 15 tracks. Mm-hmm. Five of them are six of them is like singing track, and the rest of them are dancehall thing. Mm-hmm. So you know the energy turn up. talks no, so me now run up on stage. And the place I bought somebody upon. It's when <laughs> It's a reasonable it's a five minutes anything. <laughs> yeah, anyway, any fun man there right now, man. I tell him I have a shaky man, man. No matter what I'm kind of energy guy, because me gonna keep up, brother. Must I said I'm I said no, sir. 
king. And while yeah. I'm in energy, I'm a bread. I run out there. I ain't got yeah. enough stamina or energy. Leave my breath. Start going out of me. And I was just, I sound so awful trying to stay afloat at the melody and stay afloat at the words. But when you jump up in between, it's like you're in the gym at the same time trying to stay yeah. a slow song, yeah? Anyway. <laughs> 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 I will like you, though, when I got to um the one for me, the place was in a frenzy, man. People were singing it word for word. The song in heaven, I had to sing it about quite a few times. I had to put it up and sing it over. And the weirdest thing is that the weirdest thing is that I heard Japanese, who I didn't even know speak English, singing my song word for word, B. In that, English. Man, in English, B. Nothing mm-hmm. to one tape some of the place I put on because I'm not sure them I want to remember them thing sure. But they were singing my song word for word and by the time I, 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 did, I did on my mind too as well because I introduced it to them. Because mm-hmm. I think that was during the period where I was also just kind of push out on my mind. On my mind was not a big song. Okay, yeah, this was the time. newest out of what you had out of your singing career at this time. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, Can't Get Over You was still kind of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And on my mind was right there, just really putting it up. And was it was it on my mind? No, it wasn't on my mind. No, it was like can't get over you. Yeah, on my mind wasn't out as yet. Anyway, I introduced can't get over you to them. And um when I came off the stage, I was drenching in sweat, man, because I didn't know that I was performing for almost two hours. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Remember I told you about putting the songs together by timing and not putting it in consideration. The facts I never pull up and sing in heaven about mm-hmm. four or five times, and then the one for me about one next four or five times. Mm-hmm. So I ended up doing almost two hours on that stage that night. Most of it out of breath, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you did it. I did it. Mm-hmm. And based on that, now I kind of learned how to gauge myself. Because for the next two shows after that, I kind of like cut my program down. You know, and even though I did it, I still was doing second show, maybe a little bit over an hour. And then this third show, maybe about an hour, still past 45 minutes. But I earned my 3,000 with blood, sweat, and stay, with blood, sweat, and tears on that stage. You know what I mean? By stepping up to the plate and facing the challenge and getting what I need to get done as a man. You feel me? Now, the real reward came from the plates. Okay. Because I didn't know that Japanese was into the sound system, thing like that. And I remember the promoter saying to me, well, we have duplet sessions lined up for you. Mm-hmm. You want to know how much to charge to sound Monday? Me never know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to want to tell them a certain figure either and give them a price where I can turn around and beat me back at the end. Yeah. So me put it back by him. I say, yo, trigger. His name, one of them is his name is Trigger. Mm-hmm. So I say, Oh, Trigger, how much do you think I should charge for the dub plates? He said, Well, um, uh, maybe four, five hundred. Huh? <laughs> I said, Yeah, yeah uh, about four, five hundred. Mm-hmm. I said, Okay, let's do five hundred. Mm-hmm. Come on. When I turned up at the studio, the line long from upstairs, downstairs to the door, man. I mean, I tell you, when I see the crowd, mm-hmm. I must say, the money I pour in, man. I say, 
<laughs> 500 up pop. Big man, I sing from about 7 that evening till about 7 the following morning. All them, all them advice, I'm a child, I heard, I said, yo, get me some tea. What, Mr. What you asking, man? I'm a done voice, man, and go to my hotel room, man, and see the amount of money, the yen, pack up. And then the following morning, we're going to change it out. Mm -hmm. I'm getting the crisp sealed envelope with the $1,000 in it, never touch it when the day it burn. You know what I mean? Packets, one type of packets, 25, 25 of them. <clears throat> and then realize that I forgot the airport now. <clears throat> the next day, where may I put that money at? <laughs> and of course, you know, I had a camera back with my camera in it. You know, camera, you know, is what I'm saying. You have to be careful that you carry the camera on because it's um, easy, easy to get damaged yes. or whatever. I never care about that. I throw the camera and I'm a luggage. I'm a start stuff money in the camera bag. And that night, no lie, mm -hmm. I put that bag on my head, man. And I saw me asleep the whole night. Yeah, wait for my in come for the catch a plate. And I say, hey, the money and I get left in them. Because remember, at this point, up until this point here, you've never seen this amount of money never. for one time for out of music too. Never. Mm -hmm. I think a thousand dollars, man. I said, I think a five hundred dollars, man. I said, and if I said, TD, I'm a come, I'm a cover twenty five thousand. Man, I'm going to New York, I'm going to up with my girl, and she come at the hotel, let's come to the book and show the money, but I said, You have a look at because you told me to go mm -hmm. and treat this like a vacation. Look at what that did for me, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or whatever happened if I never listened to you, but go. I'm going to come back with, I'm going to go for three grand and come back with even more than a three grand be. You almost <laughs> right here, 10x the money right there between the show and the dubs. This is almost 30,000. So you went for 10% and came back with a whole What an investment, man. What, what an investment. Wow. And cash out. <laughs> anyway, that really, that really started the fuel mm -hmm. to the fire of my career because that was when I really started to invest back into myself. And that's now you find some start. I invested in um, the caregiver for you and video and promotion and everything. And then I went into the production and on my mind, this time I promise, yesterday, that 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 entire album, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because by that time, me and I kind of get into the rut. So I'm start to write some songs about I know and never to write it. Sing the hit song and everybody. I'm gonna start writing an event for my record, them and on. Just so happened that the people felt the energy and felt the realness of the songs and you know locked into it and the rest is history, you know. Here we are. That's crazy. You're not gonna skip over this one lightly. Always <laughs> on my mind. All right. This mm -hmm. is to me, this is the song that really solidified, solidified, solidified you. And then there was the first version and then there was the remix with Sean Paul. Yeah. How did you come up with the first and then how did you guys get to the remix? Well, the first version, again, I was in the rut with her. Me and I kind of have a look break up because I, I was a really bad boy in terms of, let's say, gangsterism. We never really to pick up that. Mm -hmm. We just was given a whole lot of trouble in the, in the ladies' department, you know? On mm -hmm. um, the real, I wasn't faithful to her, you know? Yeah, so I guess eventually she found out once it's all nice and good. Mm 
Apologize. Good. We'll go back. She catch me again. Good. Apologize. She catch me again. And I guess she got tired of catching me. You know, once too many times in the cookie jar, in the cookie jar, my hands were, and then she just got fed up on the side, like, you know what? I gotta go. And me never really and I didn't really knew how much I I loved her until she definitely went this time. And so now my drive was through though. I'm I'm driving to the gymnasium one day. Gymnasium is what we call gym. Gymnasium for the ladies, but gymnasium for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to the gymnasium one day to go get my routine workout done. I was driving in traffic. Never forget this. I was an alpha tree. And I remember, I think I tried to call her and she's not, she not picking up my phone calls. Mm-hmm. And I was there. And I, oh, I said, whoa, I like this. Mm-hmm. So I grabbed my addicted tape and I taped the idea, the melody, and just the little words that came to me. I called Stephen McGregor and I said, Stephen, now come link him everything I want. You work one for me. And then we linked up and then start building everything from scratch. Because that's how I started doing my music. I no longer was voicing or voicing. When I, when I voice the people, mm-hmm. I voice and they're juggling. But when I voice on myself, I could do things from scratch and improvise and manipulate and, you know, take twists and turns and mm-hmm. make things how I wanted to make it. I wanted to make songs and not just music. For sure. Music, That's a big difference. I wanted to make songs. And this was a song I was making. And I never forget we there and we came up with the rhythm and everything. And then I sang the chorus. And when I went to the box to sing, no lie, the words just came out like it was magic. I never wrote the words. I, you're in my mind thinking about you. Because I was really feeling it like that. Yeah, I miss you. I'm really missing her. Baby, ever since that day you went away, yeah, yeah, can't live without you. Always on my mind, always on my mind. You know, and one tick. <laughs> See me? And at the time when I did it, mm-hmm. I did the chorus and the first verse. I never had a second verse because this was supposed to be a collaboration with me and Kalonji. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to do a collaboration with Sister La Kalonji and I was already, I already linked him. I linked him now and I said, yo, Sister La, have a song we want to do with you now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he said yes to it, but at the same time, he wanted me, I guess, <laughs> I just saw that by what I saw, it wasn't going to happen anytime soon. Okay. Because I was constantly linking, constantly going by the studio by Judgment Yard. Days turned into weeks, and then weeks like it went turned into months. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm like, and then we see all the other people who were out there ahead of me, mm-hmm. still there in the yard waiting. And I'm like, this might take too long to happen. So I went back to the studio, and I came up with the second verse. I gave you all of me. Now you're not here with me. Nothing will ever... You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I did that, also I had like, this time I promised, because all these songs were coming off of the energy mm-hmm. where me and she was concerned. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, even the can't get over you. Even though I try and I refuse to cry, I can't get over you. I'm going to get over, you know? And then, <laughs> and then 
Oh, I've made a change for you. Oh, and this time I promise I'm never gonna hurt you again. Yesterday is gone. Mm -mm 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 -mm. And I can't write my wrong. Baby, I'm sad, sad for breaking your heart. So, all them songs that I really see, that's mm -hmm. what I message to. You see me? I'm gonna put them in the songs. Mm -hmm. It does so happen that after can't get over you, go out that thing now. I realize that I had to cover the second single. Mm -hmm. And now the single I was promoting was This Time I Promise. And I never forget I went by Zip FM to link up DJ Ice. And like usual, when I have something brand new, sometimes I would play and say, yo, this may work when you get me. So this is what is to come. And I played This Time I Promise for him. I, like, I, I make him know, say, that's the song I was presently promoting. But... I have songs like these coming and I played on my mind for him. And when he heard it, he was like, yo, I know you're promoting this time, I promise. But this is a song that on my mind. Now why you left it with me today? And I was like, no, B. Here I wash up my floor, man. I'm not promoting that right now. I'm promoting this. If we get this right now, you have the whole vibe of me. I try to bring more and put out a song, songs in a certain sequence. But eventually he convinced me. And I said to him, word for word, I said, yo, please, my beggar, let's play it one time. Yeah. And then just focus on the this time, I promise. And the man gave him word. Yeah, man, thing good. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, he said, I'm going to jump in the mic and I'm going to jump in the mic and left zip and tune into him. Me and play and him play. Oh, this time, I promise. And then, Ding, 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 ding. Ay, ay, ay. And the man started more being one on the sound. One time, two time, three time, four time, pull up. And I say, yo, let's start getting mad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, every eyes I do start when I mush my thing big. You see me? Before me know, I see my phone start ring. Answer mm -hmm. my phone. Big A from IRA, from IRFM. Yo, singer, mm -hmm. how come? Man, I've thrown him in after thrown him. I said, I wish thrown him out there. Because I already gave him this time I promised. The man said, no, the other one of me, I'm going to play a while. I'm going to have that thrown him. So I said, I'm going to promote The man said, hey, more on that thing. My phone ring again. Look at Richie from Swatch. Singer. I pray, you know. What do you mean? I'm going to play a song. I'm going to have song. And I said, yo. And that is how on my, I had no choice but to start. Just run with it. Push it out from there. So then how did the Sean Paul remix happen then though? By that time, the song is the biggest song in Jamaica and, 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 a, and, a, and probably so on a global scale in terms of the genre. Mm -hmm. And um, Sean, I kind of, um, I am, um, I kind of know Sean from the days of him been by Jeremy Arden Studio and I was by two other records. I used to hang out up there sometimes. I used to voice a couple of songs with Jeremy Arden. You know what I mean? And Luga them and Sean them used to up then. You know, more time I'd be up there playing Xbox and watching them play Xbox and you know what I mean? It's a little fight. By this time Sean was the biggest record act kind of globally. You know? And um in Jamaica though, 
his presence in terms of the music was a bit slightly off, mm-hmm. you know, while his presence in the global scale was more huge. Mm-hmm. I remember him and I was hosting this program up by Zip FM again. And while we were in the studio, I remember him saying to me, yo, singer, you know when you hear a song and you wish I did you sing it, man, that song you have on my mind. I really wish I'd me sing that song there in my youth. <laughs> I mean, I said, for real, I was like, yeah, man, the song, man, love it. So by him saying that, now I said to him, well, if you love it that much, how about we do a remix? And the man said, hey, me, yeah, man, can't do that, man. Mm-hmm. And I saw now the remix come into play, we'll link up Stephen and make the appointment. And that's, that's how Stephen meet him too. Okay. Because it's me really why Sean Paul growing at a growing up by Stephen's studio, mm-hmm. by Stephen Marega studio, and I saw Sean Paul meet him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because Stephen was a young genius, man. I knew Stephen way before anybody else even started. I mean, there was a, just a little kid and my British encouragers bring me to meet him. I mean, I said, you're a youth, but look at school youth. But mm-hmm. his talent is a giant, you know? You see me, so I saw how the thing come now with the, coll- the collaboration came and we did the song and I re-released it again on my label and it <laughs> went out again and blew. So the song went to number one twice. Went twice. To number one, yeah, went to number one by itself mm-hmm. as a solo with me alone. Mm-hmm. And it went to number one again as a remix. Yeah, man. And then you had put out the visuals and everything at that time there too. Yes. Yes. Your album, your big album, was named the same thing, Always On My Mind. Yeah. How did that album do for you in your career at that time there now? Well, that album came out, that, that was my exclusive project from the beginning. So the reason why VP Records ended up getting the album is because I had Sean Paul now on the remix, you know, and I wanted to put the remix on the album. And Sean was signed to them, and I wouldn't cut the tape and let me use that song unless I gave them the album. And you know what? I'm like, well, it's a big song. Sean is globally known, and probably they could do something more with it than I could from a very, from an independent aspect of things. You feel me? But that's that, that album is still like my iconic album until this day. You know what I mean? Or sure. until this day, that album is still favorite of a lot of people. Until they hear this one, I'm coming with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Because I know you just put out the single "Happy." Yeah. Yeah, all right, man. and to me, I'll tell you, "Happy," because I've known Deville to he does the lovers rock, but I know you also do Afro beats because you did a song with Stone Boy. I know you do a soca style. I know you do all type of style, but this yeah, one here yeah. is like a smooth groove. Yes, that's what it feels like to me. You know, yeah, what I mean? yeah. Tell us yeah. how you came up with "Happy." Okay, so happy, <laughs> when you hear happy, it shows you, I think it really shows you, or um, it gives you the, the vision of what my vocals is really all about. You know what I mean? It gives you a, a taste of the things that I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, happy. It's a song that was introduced to me by one of my co-writers mm-hmm. from the Bahamas. And um, we were doing some work together. We work on the Stone by David, with David and Stone Boy project. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, MDs and Sketch Carry 
MDs is no longer with us, God rest his soul. Mm. You know what I mean? But um, he was present at a time when we did, started this project. Mm-hmm. And Happy's really like maybe about three years in the making, the single. Okay. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I heard it, I, I loved it from the, from the get-go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he gave it to me. And then I sent me the files and everything in my studio right here is where I did all the vocals for myself. My vocals was done here. Then I sent it back to him there and he edited, mix it, mm-hmm. get it back to me. You know what I mean? It's on my label now. Mm-hmm. Um, my label that I have right now, Global Merchant Music Group. Mm-hmm. I'm, the produ- I'm the executive producer on the project and I didn't want to rush and put out any more materials it's been a while and people have been asking for new music but I feel like I was missing the mark by us doing what everybody else was doing which is flooding the market mm-hmm. flooding the market because I'm of a name and I didn't want to do that anymore because mm-hmm. I feel like I was doing great songs for so long that just fell under the radar without no recognition to it mm-hmm. and I didn't want to waste my time doing music like that so I wanted to spend my time and make the music talk even more to me deeply. You know what I mean? And when I release it, I must be totally happy with it. You know? And I love the topic of happy. I love the lyrical content. I love the, of the composition mm-hmm. of it and what it deals with. It deals with the happiness of not just yourself, but your family, your wife, your husband, your kids, your mother, your father. You see me? If you listen to words, you will see that that's what it's dealing with. It's dealing with you not being selfish and just thinking about yourself. And I kind of embrace it unto myself too, because for so long, I think I was on this journey where it's just about me and, you know, the person in, the person in my life wasn't being valued enough mm-hmm. or being looked at in terms of their own happiness. What does that mean to you? And I realize that now with me you now being married to my new well, of course you know I'm a change girl again. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm not saying that for it to sound like a bad thing because mm-hmm. you never really meet the one you meet until you meet the one you need. You understand. You get me? I had the ones that I wanted. You know what I mean? But I never had the one I needed. Now I have the one I need. And that's the one that I'm now married to. You feel me? And we have two beautiful, amazing boys and when I think about their happiness, mm-hmm. when I do things for them and I see how happy they get by daddy doing that, and when I do things for her and I see how happy she gets when I do something for her and think about her, I see what it does to my spirit as a person. It makes me think different. Mm-hmm. As long as you're happy, wow, seeing you happy, that makes me happy, yeah, cause it means the world to me, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big song. They're talking about your family because I know you took a break for a while. I guess it was marriage, kids, and all that. But you also added another name, which is Tory Mason. How did yeah. you come up with that there? Well, Tory Mason is derived from my, the names of my kids, from mm-hmm. Torian, which is my eldest, mm-hmm. and my youngest, Mason. Tory Mason, you know, Tory, Shafa Torian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So I wanted to pay homage to my kids. They changed my life forever. You know, totally, and I wanted to pay homage to them. So I took it on as a moniker, 
you know what I mean, in addition to, but it's still David seeing me. You get me? Yeah. Definitely. As I said, so then I know you took some break. You you changed, not even change your name. You added another pseudonym. Yeah. What? One high point, I think, in your career, too, was because you haven't really been home in a while on a big stage, was performing at Rebel Salute 2018. How was that? Man, that was one of the best thing ever because I've always wanted, man, I, yo, I don't mind. I love performing overall, all over the world, for every, for every and anybody that would have me and mm-hmm. welcome me and show the love and the support for me and my music. Mm-hmm. But there's just something about performing at home. Man, yo, ain't not like it, B. Mm-hmm. Feel me? When you're on stage in Jamaica and the people are saying, yeah! Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sing my youth and I should have loved it. Man, mm-hmm. ain't not like it, B. Ain't not like it, man. A rebel salute. And Tony Rebel called me and said, hey, you're turning up. Need mm-hmm. over here saying a singer. Well, I'm going to make it up, man. There's no mm-hmm. way I was going to turn it down, brother. I was thinking, a lot of people didn't know this. I was sick like a dog the night of the performance. I didn't mm. have any voice for days. Mm. Pri- days before I got to Rebel Salute, my voice was gone. My sinus kicked in and I had a sinus infection. Mm. And I lost most of my voice. Mm. And I, my manager was like, what are we going to do with this? I'm like, I don't know, you know. But this is Rebel Salute. I've got to find a way to find the voice. And even before the man announced me on stage, mm. The virus never did it. Between them said David mm-hmm. and the adrenaline kicking. And I went on that stage. Ain't no turning back now, bro. Mm-hmm. You gotta dig up, you gotta go down to your toes and find his voice be. By the grace of God, you know what I mean? Him send the him send the vice angel. And the vice angel just oh. <laughs> and the vice just comes over, oh, come out. <laughs> I will come off and stay to vice God again. That was like, hey, <laughs> I got you when I needed you, man. Yeah, man, but that was a very epic mm-hmm. show of a proportion. Um, you know, every every now and then, my my, my kids, especially the youngest, mm-hmm. he would go on YouTube and he would pull it up and just sit there and watch it, watch him fight in action. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, man. Because I know daddy at home is completely different than daddy on the stage. Yeah, man. I'm, yeah, man. I'm a hands on that, man. I. I do it all. I've been tooked on, pooped on, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if my kids aren't feeling, I do I do the things that I wish my parent did for me mm-hmm. that I never ever had done for me. I never experienced one day any one of my parents saying to me, son, I love you, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. I never heard that. Mm-hmm. But I make sure I make it a point of duty almost every day to tell my kids I love them, hug them and kiss them and know how much I appreciate them because they changed my life, man, and show me a different way of being and being in this world, you know. They keep me going even through the lowest point, man, then just know how to put a smile on daddy's face, you know. Yeah, man. You get it. Even talking about changing your life, I know that lately you started to walk more of a Christian gospel type of life. Talk about that. And how did that even become something in your life that you wanted to even pursue a bit more? Well, three things. I've always been walking with God mm-hmm. from when I was a child growing up because growing up, I never really had it easy. Mm-hmm. I never really had much friends and I never really had a childhood where I could sit and brag about it or say, 
I had a really rough, hard, quote unquote, abusive childhood. And I remember when I was walking, a lot of times alone, I used to envision walking with Jesus Christ, having a conversation with him. And he was literally there. It's like I could actually see the man. But maybe I was just hallucinating, but I don't think I was. Mm-hmm. You know, I really do think he was with me all along. Because even when I, so many times he saved me. I've been in so many situations that no one, no one can tell me say, no one can tell me that it's not the presence of God Himself that took me out of those situations that I've been in, you know. Um, so I was walking with Him a long time ago, and I guess somewhere along the point, somewhere along the path, I think I I messed up the anointed mm-hmm. or the or, or the anointing. This voice of mine. I didn't go to school for it. I didn't go somewhere and pick it up. It was gifted to me by God himself. I sing how I talk and I talk how I sing. If you're a record, you know I could see that. I could 100% see that. A lot of times you speak to somebody, their Mm -hmm. speaking voice is different than their singing voice or DJ voice. But you, it's the same package right around. Exactly, because... God have me pick out for a special person, that a, a special, like, God have me pick out for a special reason like he does with you mm-hmm. and with everybody else. Mm-hmm. We all have an anointing on us to do certain things. But I messed up mine because I think I got caught up into certain things. And, and along the way, eventually I, I just had this yearning and this call and this pull to come back to him, but in a more serious format on a more serious level you know and I did it like two years ago but I was still living a certain lifestyle mm-hmm. you know what I mean and then I was like man I think I need to revisit myself and revisit the decision that I have made and I have to take it more seriously you know what I mean there's no way I should do this and then be living the way I'm living so the second time around, I did it. And it wasn't something I tried to put out there in the press or put out there in the public views. I did it just so happened that my pastor posted it on his page. And all I did was repost it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, I'm going to like the pitch. I'm going to like the picture and repost it. Mm-hmm. And before I know it, oh, man, else time going off all over the place. Oh, yeah, David is a Christian. One. Next thing you know, the story in the, a story in the tabloids and, it's all over the internet, and which I have no problem with because eventually I was going to go public with it on my own terms. Mm-hmm. But God orchestrated it the way he wanted it to be done. And so I embraced it. You dig? I have to be public with it because in public with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I have a public with him. You hear the message and I have, it's been the best decision I've ever made. You know what I mean? Um, and, I mean, here we are. Here we are. Yeah, man. Um, the, walk is not, the walk is not easy. It's a challenge every day, especially when you're used to a certain lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But change is, is inevitable. You know what I mean? And if you really wanted that bad, which I don't want it that bad, I'm willing to sacrifice the worldly things to gain a spiritual thing, you know? Yeah, I get that 100%. That's why this conversation here, I like 
how we started and how we're coming close to and now it just shows the journey to mature the good the bad and everything that brings you right to where deville is right now yeah. where deville is happy yeah happy happy mm-hmm. uh there's one thing too i wanted to mention um everything mm-hmm. that i've been through so far has been a vital part in me being the man that I am today. Mm-hmm. Even when I when I joined the military, um, people were wondering, mother fuck, the public didn't know that I joined the military. You know what I'm saying? Because okay. I kept I kept my I kept my to myself for many years. Mm-hmm. It wasn't up until I was close to being out. Yeah. People started finding out. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, you're late to the party. You the rest of But even that too has played an integral part. In the mandala because it's a discipline. You have to have a certain discipline to For be sure. in the military. And I came out, I came out, I was discharged with honorable discharge. So you know, it simply means that I did my time and I did what I need to do in a honorable fashion, on a honorable man- manner. You know what I'm saying to you? So I'm now considered a veteran. I have veteran status based on my service. You know, um, I mentioned that because I did say three things, right? Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that to say this. When I was a child, I always wanted to to serve in the army, in the military. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to do music. And I always wanted to be close to God. Mm-hmm. Those three things I've always wanted. I think I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people in life, they barely get one thing they want, much less all three of them, simultaneously. Yeah. You know what I mean? DeVille, this conversation has been crazy. I got one last one for you, okay? Yeah. Had this career from in the 90s till right now, okay? When has been the highest point in your career, and when has been the lowest point in your career thus far? I suppose in my career, I think I was was I was I was I'm on my mind, was on top of the charts. Mm-hmm. As the highest part of my career, on my mind was the song, and still is the song. But mm-hmm. at that time, it just blew through the roof, and I was like, okay, bam! Mm-hmm. I finally got through that. Thing. I finally topped in heaven, and I finally top can't get over you. You know what I'm saying? So the, it was a ladder in heaven. Can't get a view that on my mind was like, okay, boom, I'm there. Collaboration with Sean Paul. Oh man, boom, we're there. You know what I mean? Um, I did the Shaggy and Friends. Oh, boom, we're there. You feel me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Highest point of my career, musically speaking. Lowest point of my career um, was really when I had to leave Jamaica because. I I knew that the, 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 the there is a very there's a um a very um cunning and devious part of the business mm-hmm. that was there that I never thought would have come my way. I thought that if I did things the right way and I played the game safe and mm-hmm. played the game on the right the right way, do the right things, treat people how they needed to be treated or they're supposed to be treated. Respect everybody, love everybody, and try not to lean on the next man thing. Just build your thing and watch the next man thing flourish and be happy for him. 
you know what I mean, then I would be okay. But when I saw that envy and jealousy and started coming my way from even, you know, other artists who I thought so highly of to the point where they would sabotage my performance and sting. I mean, not, 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 not sting. When they sabotage my performance on my first Sumfus appearance, mm -hmm. it really, 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 really hurt me because I worked so hard for years to get myself on a certain level to be presented on that platform. And from the moment I heard that I, that I was booked for the event and I was given a one o'clock time start in the morning, I was okay with that. Mm -hmm. Everything started to unravel and the real color started showing up itself when they called me back and told me that my performance time was changed from one in the morning till nine in the evening. Which you and I know at nine in the evening, there's only cheers and grass. There. Yeah, there's only cheers there. and grass and maybe a couple of cows if you mm -hmm. have any to let out for them to go feed themselves on the grass in the venue. Mm -hmm. And the moment I saw it, I knew something was up. And the moment I went to my band's restaurant and I saw a particular individual that has no reason to be there, mm -hmm. was on the outside, which is the management of a certain artist. I knew something was up. And the moment I saw the sponsor, what the, um, this artist's main sponsor, was the main sponsor for the event. I knew something was up. And when I told my agent at the time, Ray Alexander, what was up and what I saw coming and who was behind it, he never believed me. And when I saw, when I witnessed this lady, her name is Balkis. I never forget her name. Mm -hmm. It's weird, oh, when some people do certain things, you never forget them because it plays a pivotal role mm -hmm. in whether it's good or it's bad. I paid Balkis my, 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 my money mm -hmm. <clears throat> to put up some, <clears throat> some um, they call this thing again, confetti yeah. on stage for me in my performance. Because at this time, Michael Jackson did pass away and I wanted to pay homage to him and there was a song I was going to perform. And then when I pointed up with my signal, they would have let go of this confetti. Mm -hmm. When I did that on stage, they changed my time, number one. Mm -hmm. When I went and I did my performance and I did my signal, the confetti didn't move. Mm -hmm. It was still there, hanging there. Mm -hmm. Remember, I paid my money for the confetti, still hanging there. And when I came off, I was so pissed. I dropped the mic on stage and walked off after my performance. Mm -hmm. The next day, the papers had it written that I threw the mic down on the stage, which wasn't so. <clears throat> it was a part of my performance. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to say what I said. Did the thing that the guy did in the movie with, with um, Eddie Murphy, the sexual chalky thing, mm -hmm. cut the mic and cut. I walk See? Mm -hmm. Did what I was supposed to do, but then twisted and bent it and said, I disrespected the thing and threw away the mic on stage, which wasn't so. Let me just clarify that. But I was pissed because when I did my signal, my confidence didn't move. And I already knew that was something was off. When I came off stage, I literally go off stage and I was there and I remember somebody from Digicel come to interview me. And I'm like, I was so disappointed and upset. I was like, don't interview me. Are you, are you my sponsor? Because obviously everybody in this venue only should be, since I think the sponsor for this artist is behind trying to mess mm -hmm. my thing up. 
which artist are you sponsoring? It's not me. I'm not quite sure if this interview you're about to give me is also in aid to try and um, have me look bad in the press or in the light of what you're trying to present. So I was in no mood for an interview. My apologies to Digicel. That wasn't me trying to be disrespectful at the time. But at the time, this is the reason why I, I, I was saying what I said. And this is the reason why this, I basically turned on the interview. I remember going to my agent at the time and saying to him, you see what I was telling you? Look at this. I guarantee you my confetti, which is still on stage right now, is going to go off in that particular individual performance when they're performing. If that not proved to you, I mean, I tell you, if I'm morning, nothing else will. Mm -hmm. Would you believe me? My words were true. Mm. In that particular artist's performance, my confetti will me pay bulk as fuck. In the man's performance, my, conf my confetti, the man, I mash up the place because by this time, there's no longer just chairs and grass. Mm -hmm. When them send me, go there for a performance too, out there. No, the place is full. And then I go on good. But she's supposed to go on good because me and him are the two artists, singers in the place at that time. Mm -hmm. I can't fight to go after the man's performance. And I waited after my performance. The man go on hours later in the morning, you know, and I went down from about 9 o'clock, you know, and I would not leave the venue until my point was proven. And when the confetti went off, when the confetti went off in his performance, I, I got my confirmation and I left. And based upon that, I left Jamaica. I never go back. This upon the fact that I just felt so disappointed mm -hmm. and so hurt that after I've done so much and did so much and take myself as a youth, where it never come easy. My pay my dues, my work. I just said to my bro, see me? I was not going for David, I push shoes here, I know something I'm going for my man youth. I try to mash up my thing. I'm going to mash up your thing, be. See that you're still there, your thing's still going on. But guess what? God has me, man. Mm -hmm. You know? And no bad feelings. What was supposed to happen, happened. You feel me? Because maybe if I was still in Jamaica, I wouldn't be here right now with songs like Happy. And I wouldn't be here right now with the amazing wife that I have. And I wouldn't be here right now with my amazing kids. But I separate myself from the flock and come over here so by myself and say, you know what? I'm going to take myself away from all of that so I can focus on my love for the art or the craft of music instead of trying to be distracted by the unnecessary the unnecessary mm -hmm. drama and the unnecessary um, negativity that people will want to Send come in my direction for no reason at all. Mm -hmm. You give me yes, sir. You can't touch me, yes, sir. This is my little space. Mm -hmm. You get me? I don't follow the noise. I follow the beat and the jump that God give me for follow. But just the music. I'm gonna focus and penetrate. But when I other man I go out with, I want other man who I do. This me I do. Yes, somebody. Mm -hmm. I made my music. See me. I'm gonna stop. This is a God given thing. It's not my thing. This is my anointing. It's not mine. You dig? And no matter what any man do, no matter what any man try, 
no man can take this away from me but God himself. God give it to me. You get me? Yeah. You understand. Listen, it's just your whole purpose in this music business, it's definitely here from, as you said, from me explaining your father, you going through certain things, everything just kept leading to right here where you are right now. You're just supposed to be doing this. You, what you're supposed to be doing, you probably wouldn't even know till 20 years from now. Then you look back, say, oh, I went through everything just to get to this place where I am right now. Yeah. Yeah. You understand. Yeah, yeah man. But, that is good. The God be the glory, you know? Yeah, man. The floor is yours right now. Any big ups, anything you want to say right now, the floor is yours. Tell them where they could check out your music, where they could check out Happy, and where they could check out this new album's coming out just now that doesn't have a name, but you'll find <laughs> out one sooner yes. rather than later. All your big ups, everything right now, the floor is yours. Yeah, but right now, I just want to say a special big up to, you know, your friend in music, Garnet Newman and the whole team, um, to royalty and respect as well. You know, much bigger and respect. I want to say big up to my to my to my my team. You know, Sketch Carry and Anwar. You know, what I mean, I also want to say a special big up to my kids, Florian Mason and my amazing wife and all my fans and supporters out there that, that that has been supporting me over the years. You know, I'm truly so thankful that a lot of my fans and supporters never gave up on me. You know, they still listen to Davila and still supporting the music. Um, the most important big up. And the most important record, re recognition should go out to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who make the all things all things possible. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Um, if you want to find me, you know, the Instagram is Davil Music on Instagram, Davil Music on Facebook, Davil Music on Twitter, and from my website, it's davilofficial.com. You get me? We also on TikTok as well, Davil Music. You know, Happy is right now out. It's the first single from my soon-to-be-released album. It's now available on all your global streaming platforms and also on your iTunes and, you know, online stores. You can get it there. You feel me? The video is coming out pretty soon. It was, about, it was supposed to be out a couple of days ago, but I have to put it back and do some re-editing. You know what I mean? Because when you're, when, you're, when you're representing the kingdom of God, you have to be careful of what you put out. Mm -hmm. You get me? So now, you know, there was a time when I used to be able to just put out the me one put out. Mm -hmm. We can't put out the me one put out no more. I put out the God me put out. You get me? And this happy song is not my song. It's God's song. You feel me? Yeah. And there's more to come. Trust me. What it more? Look out for it. Every month, we're going to drop a single for the next six months and then the album. That's All right. Looking forward to it. You know, before I get you out of here, there's one last thing I'm going to ask you for. Is a muscle always on my mind? Acapella, before we go. Muscle the people, them thinking about you. Mm. Muscle them said they love you. Oh, yes. Them say ever since that day they came their way. Yeah. They can't live without you. Oh, and muscle, you're always on their mind. Entertainment, the pop podcast, and number one every time. Yeah, always on their mind. Muscle, you're but number one every time. Is it my? Deville, 
thank you so much for this epic, epic conversation. And let us in to your mind, your heart and soul, and really showing us who is this man behind these great hit songs. You understand? Respect. Salute. Salute. Let me give you an outro and get you out of here because this one, crazy, epic conversation. All right? Respect. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this has been another Two-Line Music Hut's Entertainment Report podcast, and we are out. Mm. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusichut.com.